filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calagiri. What's going on? Hope you're having a really good week. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where I make sure you never have to read a book again. Really quickly, if you haven't already done it, go to cutthecrappodcast.com, go to the resources tab, and sign up for the weekly mind maps. The weekly mind maps are a great complement to each podcast because what it does is it outlines all of the core golden nuggets for you in a nicely designed mind map. You can print it out, you can make notes on it, you can store it just for future reference. I'm a guy who loves having something physical, something I can hold in my hands, something I can jot notes down on. So if I find that useful, I want to make sure it's available to you as well too. So go to cutthecrappodcast.com and sign up for that. All right, so what book are we breaking into today? Obviously, you read the title of the podcast, you already know. Good to Great by Jim Collins. Now, this has been a book that has been around for a little while now, and a lot of people in management positions have read this book, have recommended it. And to be honest with you, I've read this book. This is my third time reading it. Not a big fan of it. I've got to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of the book. It's an okay book. There's some good nuggets to take away from it. But overall, I do feel the book is a little bit overhyped in that you know it's become a mainstay in uh, a lot of organizations. And it seems to be the Bible in, in a lot of companies in terms of how they run and how they grow. So the summary on this book really is Jim Collins published a book before this one called Built to Last. And in Built to Last, he explored what made great companies great and how they sustained that greatness over time. But in Good to Great, what he said was after he published that book, someone one day challenged him and said that great companies have, for the most part, always been great. While good companies remain just that, good, never great. So the question Jim explores in Good to Great is how good companies can become great turning long-term weaknesses into long-term greatness. Now, the concept for this book is quite interesting. Uh, After a five-year study, Jim and his team of researchers identified a group of 11 elite companies that made the jump from being a good company to being a great company and sustaining that greatness for 15 years. They identified those companies first by finding those companies that underperformed the stock market average for 15 years, but then turned things around and outperformed the stock market average for at least 15 years. So they essentially did go from good, maybe even not even good, maybe mediocre to great. So the 11 companies, in case you're wondering, are Abbott, Circuit City, Fannie Mae, Gillette, Kimberly-Clark, Kruger, Nucor, Philip Morris, Pitney Bowes, Walgreens, and Wells Fargo. So those are your 11 companies that they looked at that went from good to great. Why don't we kick this off? Let's go to golden nugget number one. Great companies do one thing great. I started off with this golden nugget because anybody who has ever read good to great always references the hedgehog concept. It's the most famous concept to come from the book. Now, the idea behind the hedgehog concept is that you have hedgehogs and foxes. Foxes busy themselves in many areas and they see the world in all of its complexity. They can be seen as being scattered because they move in many different directions and they never integrate their thinking into an overall concept or, you know, unifying vision. 
Hedgehogs, on the other hand, they simplify a complex world into a single idea or principle that unifies and guides everything that they do. So no matter how complex the world is, they simplify all their challenges and dilemmas to simple ideas. So when foxes and hedgehogs meet and they're pitted against each other, the hedgehog always wins as it curls up into a spiky ball to defend itself. It knows what to do, and that's the one thing it does. It doesn't make things more complex than it has to be. You know, maybe I have to find a cave, or maybe I have to hide underneath a rock, or maybe I have to use this rock, throw it at the fox to defend myself. No, no, no. It simply just curls up in a ball. It knows what it has to do. The fox, on the other hand, is more cunning, coming up with different strategies, different approaches to get the hedgehog. It doesn't do one thing great. It does a lot of things really good. So how many of you out there right now in your company do a lot of things good, but not one thing really great? Now, in the book, they give us three questions we have to ask to define our hedgehog concept. Question number one, what can we be the best in the world at? You have to answer that question. Ask your employees that question. What can we as a collective in this organization, be the best in the world at? Number two, what can we be passionate about? You can be the best in the world at something, but not passionate in it. You have to be passionate because passionate is what's going to get you through those tough times. Growing an organization is going to be difficult. Developing a new product, getting into a new, uh, new industry, creating a new service, it's really tough. And if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to succeed. So number two, what can we be passionate about? Finally, number three, what is the key economic indicator we should focus on? You have to know whether or not your, your plan, your approach, your chosen direction is going to work. So you have to choose an economic indicator to understand how well this decision is going for you and if it's something that you want to continue doing. Interesting questions. I mean, they're very open-ended questions and they can really take you in many different directions, which I think is the purpose of that. Now, in the book, they say on average, it took those 11 great companies four years, an average of four years of constant discovery to find their hedgehog concept. Four years. I know people who picked up this book, heard about the hedgehog concept, and the next day they came into the office, and on Monday they said, you know, we're going to have a hedgehog concept day. We're going to take the entire day to discover what we can be the best in the world at, what we're passionate about, and what that economic indicator is. They'd spend that day there and they'd say... Perfect. We got it. We know what we're going to do now. Really? You serious? Come on. It doesn't happen that way. It takes a constant discovery to figure out what you're the best in the world at, what you're passionate about. There's going to be a lot of dead ends that you're going to start on. A lot of dead ends. What you're trying to do here essentially is, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's innovation. It's you trying to figure out where you can play, where you can be the best at, and how you can compete with anybody else. And how you can be the most preeminent provider, the most preeminent product owner, whatever it is, how you can be the best damn company in the world at this. Easier said than done. You might go along and as you do market research, you might find out, oh, there's other people who are doing this and they're 10 years ahead of us. Maybe this isn't the right, way, the right path for us to take. Or maybe the market is shrinking there. Okay, great. Maybe that's not a direction we need to be heading into. Maybe technology is changing the landscape and it just doesn't make sense for you to do something anymore. You can't just expect to create your hedgehog concept overnight. Yes, you can create a framework. You can start to move in that direction, but it's that constant self-discovery, keeping that top of mind in the organization and building a culture 
around that is what's going to help you form that hedgehog concept. Now, let's take Walgreens, for example. Walgreens follows a very simple hedgehog concept, and that's to be the best, most convenient drugstore with high customer profit per visit. That's their hedgehog concept. So with this core theme driving everything they do, they've been able to outperform the stock market by seven times. Now, their competitor, on the other hand, Eckerd Pharmacy, they lacked a simple hedgehog concept that guides their direction. And instead, what they did was they made investments in a variety of different areas and grew their company based off of a number of different themes. So very complex. They were all over the place. They had this product. They had this service. You know, they were in this area, this industry. You know, there was a lot of just different things going on with Eckhart Pharmacy that made it complex and made it confusing. And because of that, they didn't know their core hedgehog concept. And as a result, they faded away. And Eckhart Pharmacy, they don't exist today. So an interesting concept and the most famous concept to come from good to great, the hedgehog concept. Golden nugget number two, great companies use technology strategically. Technology is always evolving and changing the world we live in, but how we use technology and how a company responds to a new technology will determine if they become great or if they just remain a good company. Now, those good companies, for example, they look at technology as a threat or an opportunity for them to really jump onto something. And they figure that if they don't jump into it right away, they'll be left behind. So they often adopt new technologies really quickly and rather haphazardly without thinking about how the technology can help them move the organization forward in their chosen path. Great companies, on the other hand, they think more strategically about the technology before rushing in. If it doesn't help them in their pursuit of their chosen path, that chosen path, again, should be a simplified path, the hedgehog concept, then they won't even look at adopting it until they can understand how it enables them. If they can use it, they become pioneers and true innovators in leveraging it. So a great example of this is, again, Walgreens. Walgreens was slower to the market in getting into the e-commerce boom. While their competitor, Drugstore.com, they were right in there with like a dirty sock. They got in really, really quickly. They were the first to enter the market. And because of that, they received a lot of really significant fanfare, a lot of articles, a lot of people talking about them. This cost Walgreens 40% of its stock share value. 40%. That's huge. Huge. You know, that kind of drop can really uh, impact an organization, can shift up a management team, and you might even see CEOs get fired. That's a massive drop. But Walgreens, they needed to understand how entering into the online market would help them on their mission of becoming, remember their hedgehog concept, the most convenient drugstore with high profit per customer. So a year after they lost 40% of their share value, they launched Walgreens.com, which advanced their position in their chosen direction, all while Drugstore.com lost almost all of its original value in a year. So Walgreens, because they made this investment, they thought more strategically about it. They didn't just rush in. They regained all of their previous value and then some because they realized how the technology could truly enable them in their chosen path rather than buying into the technology because it just exists and because it's new and it's fun and it's exciting. 
So great companies, they don't just get led by their nose by new technologies. They're focused. They're strategic. They think about how this can help them, even though it might hurt them in the short term. They're thinking long term. Now, you might be sitting there right now thinking to yourself, yeah, but our company doesn't have a chosen path. We don't know where we're going in the future. So how can I be strategic with using this technology? That's a tough spot to be in. I got to be honest with you. If you don't know where you're going, how do you know the technology is going to get you there? That's the tough piece to this. It's really, really hard. And one of the things that we took away from last week's summary with the one minute manager was the goals. I mean, every employee has to have goals, just like an organization has to have goals. If you don't know where the organization's going, if we don't know the goals it has to hit, then how are we going to be successful? So great companies, they don't just look at technology as something to just get into, something that's fun. Oh, we got to do it. Other, you know, our competitors are doing, we have to get into it too. Oh, my competitors using Snapchat. We have to use Snapchat. Oh, our competitors picked up that software. We have to buy that software. No, they don't get led by their nose. They're far more strategic than that. Before they buy into a new technology, they think long and hard about how that technology is going to help them move forward faster how it's going to help them achieve their long-term goals. Not even long-term goals, but how it's going to achieve their short-term goals so that it continually helps move the organization forward. Golden nugget number three, great companies make tiny moves. So as the great companies follow their chosen path, they didn't create big campaigns announcing their change. They didn't make large acquisitions. They didn't even have a particular program in place that drove their new path. Instead, their success was due to incremental pushes in the direction of their simplified strategy, their hedgehog concept. There we go, showing up again. So the small incremental changes and improvements that were being made continued to inspire the rest of the organization's people to continue following the chosen path until further breakthroughs were made. So in the book, while Jim doesn't actually come out and say this, it sounds like the great companies developed what you know, I think has been coined as a success-driven culture. This culture was really built around how can we do things better? How can we continuously improve to become more successful? And this culture they developed, it kept everyone moving the company in the right direction. They all knew what they were doing. And I think maybe that stems back to the hedgehog concept. I mean, they all knew what they were trying to do. And every single day, they made small improvements to get them there. They didn't make quick, drastic investments or acquisitions. No, they made small incremental movements every single day to get them to their desired state. So take, for example, Nucor. Nucor is a steel manufacturer that once faced bankruptcy, but they made the strategic decision to make steel with greater quality at a cheaper price using something called mini mills. Now, there you go. There's another potential hedgehog concept that Nucor really rallied around. So these mini mills, they were a great source of innovation for Nucor, which helped them grow and prosper. Ken Iverson, the CEO of Nucor, back in 1975, said that if they kept on this path, they would one day become the most profitable steel company in the United States. So now if you look at Nucor's competition, what do you think they did? They made many drastic shifts in direction and made ill-thought-out acquisitions and investments that delivered subpar results. Now, when you get subpar results after you make an investment, it enters you into this really vicious cycle of always trying to find the right path, 
Oh, this didn't work, so we have to try something else. Oh, that didn't work either, so let's try something else. Nasty, nasty place to be. So instead of making tiny pushes in the right direction, the competition tried to grow too fast. And when not satisfied, they just did more of the same. So to me, really, the takeaway here is that great companies make tiny moves in the right direction because they're always in a state of continuous and never-ending improvement. That's one of those uh, acronyms that Tony Robbins always uses, CANI, C-A-N-I, continuous and never-ending improvement. And I truly believe in that. And again, maybe that's a culture of constant never-ending improvement that gets instituted there. All great organizations, they make tiny improvements every single day to get them closer to their goal. So what are you and your company right now doing to make small improvements? Whether it's improvements to sales, improvements to marketing, to how you hire, to how you manage the company's finances. Depending on what role you're in, how are you making small incremental improvements every single week to get better at what you do? How are you using data to help you? How are you using experience? How are you using technology? Ah, there's the last golden nugget. How are you using technology even? to help you improve every single day to get you closer to your goal. How are you in your current role in the organization you work for? How are you continuously improving what you're doing to create a better result, to drive the organization forward? If you can't change the organization, you start with yourself. You lead by example. How can you continuously improve what you do to get a better result? That's a sign of a great organization. That's the sign, the beginning seed of a company that could potentially be great. Golden nugget number four. Great companies confront reality and stay focused. So if you go back and you listen to episode number one, good strategy, bad strategy, I share with you an exercise in there called confronting reality. Now, this isn't what Jim Collins was talking about, but it's a good tool and a good exercise for you to use in your management teams, with your, with your marketing teams, whatever it is, using confronting reality to generate good discussion, good debate about the state of your organization. So let's get back to it. It's really easy to do two things when circumstances aren't at their best. You can either bury your head in the sand or you can remain overly optimistic while not being very realistic about the facts. Great companies, on the other hand, are great at taking a hard look at reality and facing it head on while remaining optimistic about the future. Now, there's actually a name for this, and that trait is known as the Stockdale Paradox. Now, this was coined after a United States Vietnam veteran was taken hostage and tortured in Vietnam. While he knew how bad the situation was, he never lost hope that he would one day get out, nor did he place unrealistic expectations on the situation and think he would be out by a predetermined period of time. Now, unlike his men who constantly placed you know, new dreams in their head to say, oh, you know what, guys, we're going to be out of here by Christmas. Well, what happened when Christmas came and went? They were broken. They were dejected. They had nothing left. So this ability to look at reality for what it is and not lose faith is an important factor to success. The Stockdale Paradox. So take, for example, what happened when Procter & Gamble moved into the paper goods market. Two companies reacted very differently to this news. Scott Paper felt this was the beginning of the end. Their whole world was crumbling before them. 
So instead of just buckling down and figuring out a way to deal with Procter & Gamble, to compete with them, to drive more value, they diversified their business into different categories that Procter & Gamble didn't play in. So they pretty much ran as far as they possibly could from Procter & Gamble. They said, oh my God, here, you, here they come. We have to stay away. Interesting strategy. On the other hand, Kimberly Clark, they did not shy away from Procter & Gamble. In fact, they embraced their new competitor. Fast forward 15 years later after Procter & Gamble entered the paper goods market and Kimberly Clark not only owned Scott Paper, they also dominated Procter & Gamble in six out of eight product categories. How cool is that? That's awesome. So the key takeaway here is that great companies confront reality while never losing sight of their vision. Now, I really feel that for this to work, you have to have a hedgehog concept in mind. If you don't know where you're going, then how are you going to get through all this stuff? If you're not passionate about something, how are you going to deal with new competitors creeping in? How are you going to deal with changes in technology, changes in the market, you know, problems that happen internally? How do you deal with all those really big problems if you don't have something that you're driving towards, if you're not passionate about something? You have to have passion. You have to want to be the best in the world at something to get through some of these difficulties. Scott Paper, on the other hand, they probably didn't. They probably weren't passionate about what they did. And, you know, they didn't think they could be the best in the world at it. So they said, you know what? We better just get the hell out because Procter & Gamble is going to kill us. Now, Kimberly Clark had a different, different mindset. So remember, great companies confront reality while never losing sight of their vision. I do encourage you guys to go back to episode one, listen to good strategy, bad strategy. And if you can leverage the confronting reality exercise, pretty cool exercise that you guys can really use, again, in, in your teams to have some really good discussion about the state of the organization or the current state of your products and your services and what you should do about them. Pretty cool takeaway. Golden nugget number five. Great companies have great leaders. Now, these great leaders that are in these great companies, they're called level five leaders. And level five leaders have traits that make the best possible option for building a great company. These traits are that they set up successors for success and realize that it's not just about them. So they know that it's not just about them. They're not very egocentric. They don't really care about themselves. They don't really try to create an image of themselves that's greater than what they are. No, they're focused on results. And they're focused on helping their team get better because they realize that the team around them will help get them further than if they were working alone. These level five leaders, they're compellingly modest. Again, they don't focus on themselves. It's about the team, not them. And finally, they have an unwavering resolve. They are persistent as hell. They will get to where they want to get. And that's motivating. It really gets people going because especially in really tough times, it's tough to pick yourself up to move forward. These level five leaders have what it takes to inspire the people around them, to be compelling, to tell a story that gets people riled up and says, hell yeah, that's why we're here. Level five leaders are needed to create great companies. You don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be the entrepreneur, the founder to really become a level five leader. No, nah. you might be a marketing director or a sales director and you might have managers or different personnel working underneath you. Well, hell, become that level five leader still. What's holding you back? 
What's holding you back from helping your people become more successful? What's keeping you from being modest and focusing on the team's benefit, on the overall team? And what's keeping you from having focus and an unwavering resolve to getting there? What's holding you back? Absolutely nothing. You don't have to be the CEO to become a level five leader. And level five leaders, they're instrumental to driving companies from being good to great. And last, but certainly not least, golden nugget number six. Great companies adhere to strict standards of self-discipline. So in a world filled with constant distraction from experts, articles, and new ideas, great companies stay focused as they work on the execution of their simple strategy, the hedgehog concept. Now, great companies, they all follow a very simple mantra. Anything that doesn't fit with our hedgehog concept, we're not going to do. You won't find great companies launching into unrelated businesses or creating partnerships or joint ventures in an effort to diversify. You're not going to find great companies panicking if the competitive landscape shifts. And you're definitely not going to find great companies being led by their nose by the flavor of the month or the shiny penny that's showing up around the corner there. No, they think very strategically about the long term while also keeping in mind the short term. Their time is invested in things that are going to move the organization forward. And if it doesn't move the organization forward, if it wastes their time, chances are they're going to reevaluate it and think about whether or not this is actually adding value. Now, great companies, this goes to the last golden nugget. They also don't rely on the CEO to drive that culture of self-discipline. The culture of self-discipline is definitely followed by the CEO, but every employee who holds an instrumental role in the direction of the business holds that same mentality. That same mentality also can be tied back to that level five leadership that's needed to drive the organization forward into the future. So building a culture of leadership, it really goes beyond just hiring disciplined people. It also requires a balance of systems in the organization and freedom within those roles. So when you say systems, people might get scared. They might think, oh my God, it's going to restrict me. It's going to strangle me. It's, it's going to prevent me from having freedom and creativity. While there is potential for that, great companies have a nice balance of that. They have that balance between freedom and systems. Now the takeaway here, again, is that a culture of self-discipline is needed to carry out the hedgehog concept. Without it, there's very little hope of success. And there we have it. Your six golden nuggets for good to great by Jim Collins. Now at the top, I said I wasn't a fan of this book and I really feel they took some elements of just common sense and wrapped it in something that was really fancy. I mean, come on, great companies adhere to strict standards of self-discipline. Of course they do. Show me anybody in this world that achieved something significant and wasn't self-disciplined. Of course you have to be disciplined to, to achieve a level of success. I mean, great companies have great leaders. Yeah, of course they have great leaders. Show me a great company that doesn't have a great leader. You know, I mean, everything on this book, I mean, even the hedgehog concept, one of the most famous pieces to take away from it, talk to a strategy consultant. The strategy consultant would say, yeah, the hedgehog concept is essentially just having a strategy and sticking to that strategy. Right? I mean, am I wrong here? Am I missing something? I mean, did I read good to great and completely miss the boat on this? I mean, overall, I feel the book had a lot of 
decent concepts in it that were wrapped in, you know, creative, you know, ways of telling something that has already been said before. I mean, when I read good to great, I walk away really saying, okay, I mean, you know, good reminders, but nothing really groundbreaking for me. I mean, again, did I miss something here? Did I miss the boat? Go on to the blog, go on cutthecrappodcast.com. Let me know your thoughts. I'll create a blog on this to get your thoughts on, uh, on good to great. But um, honestly, like, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. So I don't know. Do you guys agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Let me know what you think. So while this is my opinion, I don't want my opinion to skew your thoughts though. You might have listened to this and had a really good takeaway. You know, you might have never thought about having that succinct strategy, you know, that hedgehog concept that keeps you focused. You might be investing in technology right now where you're like, you know what, how is this helping me drive forward? You might have made a realization to say, you know what, I don't think my team is as self-disciplined as we should be. Maybe we need to be more disciplined. Maybe you have some great takeaways from this and you're going to use them. And by all means, please do that. That's why I'm sharing this with you. But for someone who reads a lot of books and who maybe has a little bit of a higher expectation for a book that's a national bestseller and something that almost every CEO has told me they read and loved, I just expected a little bit more from it. That's all. So anyways, go to the blog on cutthecrappodcast.com. Let me know your thoughts. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did I miss something? Let me know. I look forward to hearing any type of feedback that you guys have. But on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you once again for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast. I'll be back with you next week with a brand new business book and some brand new golden nuggets to go along with it. Thank you so much. Have a great week.